0: Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. Great heroes of faith are listed in what is called the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And there are listed quite a number of people in the Old Testament who Expressed faith in God in a number of different ways. There is Abel, the first child, well, not the first child, but um, a son of Adam and Eve, who was the first to express faith in worship. Then there was Enoch, who Walked with God, Scripture said, and he was not because God took him home to be with him in glory. Then there was Noah, the only righteous man in his generation because of his faith in God. Abraham, whom God called in a pagan country, the city of Ur of the Chaldeans, and who in faith walked with God to a new land that he had no knowledge of. His wife, Sarah, who in faith believed the word of God and in her old age conceived and bore the son of promise. There's also listed the man, Joseph, who faced crisis after crisis in his life. And yet, in every crisis, he put his faith and trust in the Lord God to see him through that time of trouble. There's also Moses. Moses, who obeyed God uh, and led the children of Israel out of Egyptian slavery and through the wilderness for 40 years to reach the promised land. There's also a woman by the name of Rahab, who was a pagan and who was a harlot. And yet when the spies from the camp of Israel came into the promised land to check it out, she heard that the king of the city of Jericho was looking for the spies, and she hid them and kept them safe until the danger had passed. These and other individuals are listed in Hebrews chapter 11, but there are also other notable heroes in the hall of faith that remain nameless. But according to Scripture... They conquered kingdoms, and they performed acts of righteousness. They obtained promises. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. From weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release in order that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and ill-treated. Men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. The roll call of faith, the hall of faith. Ancient men and women who put their trust in the Lord God, took Him at His word, obeyed what He asked them to do, and for their faith they suffered, yes, but they were rewarded beyond Measure, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 tells us that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. It is the confidence that we have in God in the things that He has assured us of, His promises, His word. It is also the evidence or the proof of realities that lie beyond us that if we simply trust in God those realities will come in to our lives without faith the apostle tells us it's impossible to please God faith affirms in us that God does indeed exist and that he permits us to approach him and he assures us of his approval and upon the basis of faith, he rewards us openly and richly. There is a woman, an unnamed woman in the Old Testament, that I believe is a hero of faith. Not because she defeated armies single-handedly and not because... She led the people of God through dark times, and not because she changed the course of human history, but because she simply believed in God and obeyed his word. I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you will, please, to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. And while you're turning there, let me simply remind us that faith is not something we simply understand in our minds or accept in our spirit or appreciate in our hearts. Faith is practical. Faith is to be experienced and it's to be expressed in our lives we are to live believing in who God is and what God has said and it's not always easy especially the world that we're living in it's not always easy but it is always profitable second kings chapter 4 verses 1 through 7 stand with me in honor of God's word if you will please Now a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, Go, borrow vessels at large for yourself from all your neighbors, even empty vessels, and do not get a few. And you shall go in and shut the door behind you and your sons, and pour out into all the vessels, and you shall set aside what is full. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, They were bringing the vessels to her as she poured. And it came about when the vessels were full that she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not one vessel more. And the oil stopped. Then she came and told the man of God. And he said, Go, sell the oil and pay your debt. And you and your sons can live on the rest. This is the word of God, and we pray his blessing upon the reading of his word. You may be seated. What do you do when you face crisis? Who do you turn to? What are the steps that you take in order to deal with situations that are seemingly beyond you? The death of a spouse or a parent? or a child, the loss of a job and family income, broken health that limits you or restricts you from gainful employment and to keep you from being a part of the social strata and the fellowship that you enjoy in life. Some people give up. They sit down and they stop living. Some people panic. And they become desperate and they do things that they would not otherwise do. Complicating the situation and bringing them into a further dire situation. Even a greater crisis. We can learn from this woman that faith brought into a dire situation can make all of the difference between tragedy and victory. I want to bring from this lesson, from this story, five lessons. Uh, We'll walk through them fairly briefly, if you will. Lesson number one. God can use what you have to answer a crisis. God can use what you have to answer the crisis. Look at verse 2. Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? The woman's husband had died and evidently from the words that she spoke to Elisha, her husband was one of the prophets, probably Obadiah. But he had passed away, he had died, and left her and her two sons in a very dire situation. And she, she goes to the prophet Elisha, and she calls upon him for help. And I want you to note that Elisha didn't respond by giving her money to help her pay off the debt. And he didn't offer to intervene with her creditors to try to somehow make the situation less critical. Instead, he asked her a very strange question. What do you have in your house? I'm sure she didn't expect that kind of response from the prophet. But sometimes that's the response that we receive from the Lord when we come to him with an issue that we can't Handle An issue that's beyond us and our ability to deal with. Now oftentimes, in a crisis situation, when there are demands that are made upon us, we list the things that we need, that we know that we don't have. When we should consider the things that we have... That God can use on our behalf. The things that we do have that God can use on our behalf. In 1924, Kitty Suffield wrote a hymn that we used to sing when I was a boy. And the chorus to the hymn goes like this Little is much when God is in it. Labor not. For wealth or fame, there is a crown and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. Little is much when God is in it. In Exodus chapter 4 and verse 2, you'll remember that God called Moses to go down into Egypt and to secure the release of the children of Israel from slavery under Pharaoh. And Moses made every excuse that he could make, that he could think of, to try to get out of what God was calling him to do. But there was no getting out of God's commissioning Moses to be the deliverer of the children of Israel. And so Moses brought up one final argument. I'm going to go down there and I'm going to demand the release of the children of Israel. But the elders of Israel are going to ask me who sent me. And God said, you're going to tell them my name and that I have sent you to do this. And still Moses was not satisfied. He still tried to get out of the call of God. I can't do this. This is beyond me, Moses was in essence saying. This is an impossible task for me to do. I don't have the strength. I don't have the power. I don't have the words. I don't have the ability. I can't do this. And God asked Moses a question. What do you have in your hand? And Moses answered, a shepherd's staff. And that was all that God needed to accomplish his purpose in releasing Israel In Matthew chapter 14 verses 17 and 18, Jesus had been teaching all day long and a great crowd of people had gathered around him. 5,000 people, 5,000 men plus their families had gathered around. And the day was beginning to wane into dusk and the people were hungry. And Jesus asked the disciples, do we have any food? And the disciples said, we, all we have are five loaves and two fish from a little boy's lunch. Jesus said, bring them here to me. And with five small loaves of bread and two small dried fish, Jesus was able to feed 5,000 men plus their families. What do you have to feed these people? Just a boy's lunch. Just a boy's lunch. And here in this text, Elisha says to the widow, Tell me, what do you have in your home? And she said, All I have. I'm just a poor widow. I have nothing in my house except this jar of oil. In the ancient Middle East, olive oil was an important commodity used in trade. And it was very valuable and could be used as personal income. And so the preacher asked the woman what she had of value that God could use to pay off the debt. And she looked at what she had and it was small. It was meager. It was a poor person's income. What do you have of value in your life, in your home, in your business? What do you have of value, what skill, what talent, what gift do you have that God can use to help you in your time of crisis, to help you in the problems that you face, to help you overcome the difficulties? That you're going through. At this time. Or what can God use. In you. Or that you possess. At a future time. When you're facing things. That are beyond you. To deal with. Things that can give you courage. And confidence. In God. God may be asking you. This morning. Or he may very well ask you. In the days ahead. What is it. That you have that I can use in your situation. Lesson two. Give what you have to God that He may bless it. Give what you have to God that He may bless it. Look at verse five. So she went in, she went from him, that is the prophet, and shut the door behind her and her sons, and they were bringing the vessels to her, and she poured. In other words, the preacher said, Give God that oil. Take that oil and trust God with that oil. And you take that jar of oil that you have and all of these other jars that you have been able to collect from friends and neighbors and start pouring the oil out of that jar into these empty vessels. And all the while knowing human nature like I know human nature, all the while this woman was pouring the oil from her jar, she was probably praying, Oh God, do something. Lord, do something. Help me. Save my family. In my mind, she was trusting the Lord because she did what the prophet of God told her to do. She obeyed his word, and she began pouring the oil. Moses, all he had was a shepherd's staff, and he gave it to God so it could be used to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. And he used that staff to secure the release of his people. The boy gave his lunch to Jesus so it could be used to feed the 5,000 plus on that day. This woman gave her oil to the Lord. So it could be used to pay off her debt and to save her family. And here's an added blessing. And don't ever forget this. You never lose what you give to the Lord. You never lose what you give to the Lord. Moses gave the Lord that shepherd's staff. But for 40 years, Moses continued to hold on to that staff and to lead the children of Israel across the Sinai Desert and into the Promised Land. The boy didn't lose his lunch. As a matter of fact, he sat down and ate his lunch with all of the other people who ate the food that Jesus had blessed. This woman, she never lost the oil that she had in that clay jar but she continued to use it to benefit her family and other people you never lose what you give to the Lord we are so possessive with our stuff aren't we? We are so possessive with our stuff that we feel if we give our money, our time, our talents, our abilities, and our resources over to God, we'll never see them again. We just write it off because it'll never return to us. How foolish and how faithless we can be. Beloved, if God requires it, we are wise to give it. If God requires it, we are wise to give it. If we withhold it, if we say no, if we hold on to it tightly and will not turn it over to the Lord, well, you know what happened to Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. The widow. That was all she had. And the preacher said... In essence, the preacher said, Trust God. Give it over to God. He'll take care of the situation. God gave her the oil back in manifold measure. Her debt was paid. Her family was saved. Her faith in God increased. It abounded beyond her wildest expectations. I'm reminded. Of the prophet Elijah, not Elisha, who came after Elijah, but the prophet Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. You find that story in 1 Kings chapter 17. Elijah and the widow of Zarephath, drought and famine had come to Israel because of the wickedness of the king. And the prophet, in order to survive, traveled around from place to place, and God provided for him as he traveled from place to place. He wound up in Phoenician territory, way up north, out beyond the borders of Israel, to the home of a widow and her son. And they, like everyone else in the region, were starving to death because of the drought and the famine that accompanied it. When the prophet approached her home, she was out there gathering sticks to make a fire. The prophet asked her, what are you doing? And she says, we're preparing for one last meal and then we're going to die. And with all the brass of a prophet, he told this poor widow, that's well and good, but I want you to feed me first. I want you to make some bread and give me some water. And I'm sure she probably thought in her mind, Who is this guy? That he would be so audacious to take the last bit of flour and oil that we have from us. But she did what Elijah told her to do. And for the rest of the drought, she and her son and the prophet of God didn't miss a meal. God blessed the jars of flour and oil so that it never ran out. Lesson number three. When facing a crisis and a difficult situation, beloved let other people help you. Let other people help you. Look at verse 3. The prophet said, Go and borrow vessels at large for yourself from all of your neighbors, even empty vessels. Go out and knock on the doors of your neighbors and ask them if they have empty pots if they have empty wine skins, if they have uh, containers that they're not using that are empty, and gather them all together. Let these people help you in your time of need, in your time of crisis. In many instances, beloved, God will use other people to help you In your time of need, they may not be able, listen, they may not be able to do much for you, but God can do much through them for you. They may be limited in what they can do, but God is never limited in what He can do through them. I was going into my senior year in college. Long, long time ago. And at that time, I was working a full time job at night. I was enrolled full time, 15 unit semesters in college, going to class from 8 in the morning till noon, going to work in 2 in the afternoon till 11 in the evening, coming home and studying till 3, 4 o'clock in the morning just to do it all over again. And at the same time, I was married. We were expecting our first child, and we were working in a church about 40 miles away from the campus. My heart gave out. I wrecked my health going into my senior year in the hospital the doctor said i want you to tell me all of the things that you're doing and so i outlined all the things that i was involved with and he said you're going to have to give up something and i said well what can i give up i can't give up my church responsibilities because god called me to minister and i'm not going to give that up i can't give up my schooling because i'm in my senior year i only have one more year to go and i can graduate I can't give up my job because I, that's the only source of income that we have to survive on. I paid my way through school. And he says, well, I don't know. That's your decision, but you're going to have to give up something or it's going to kill you. And so we prayed about it and we wrestled with it. I told my father, I told my mother, I told my pastor... And about a week later, one of the deacons of the church came to the house, the apartment that we were living in on campus. And he said, we don't want you to worry about your senior year. Quit your job. We will take care of everything. All of your expenses, all of the schooling, expenses, fees, books, everything. We'll take care of your rent. We'll take care of your car payment. We'll take care of your insurance. We will take care of your food. We will take care of everything. You just focus in on finishing your schoolwork and continuing to minister in the church. A number of years later, I found out that our pastor... And my father, who was working in the church there as well, had contacted quite a number of friends of the family. And all of them committed themselves to supporting us through my final year in college. Go borrow vessels at large, For yourself, from all of your neighbors, even empty vessels. God will often use others to help you in a time of crisis. Some of you have experienced that in your own lives as well. Some of you have yet to experience that. But sometimes this is how God works God will intervene through others if you trust him lesson 4 the blessings of God can be limited by our lack of faith the blessings of God can be limited by our lack of faith again look at verse 3 go borrow vessels at large for yourself from all of your neighbors even empty vessels do not get a few in other words, get all that you can get. Get all of the empty pots and pans and wineskins and buckets and anything and everything that you can get your hands on. And then drop down to verse 6. It came about when the vessels were full. She said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not one vessel more. What? And the oil stopped. Sometimes we tie the hands of God because we don't fully trust Him. We trust Him with some things, but not other things. We'll trust Him with our finances, but we won't trust Him with our family. Or we'll trust Him with our job, but we won't trust Him with our finances. We, don't, we will trust God in our worship, but we won't trust God out in our world. And we tie God's hands because we limit our faith in Him. The more empty pots you bring before the Lord God, the more God can fill them to the brim. The more you provide in faith before the Lord God, you may not have much, but the more you provide before the Lord God, you bring it to the Lord God, the more God can bless. And the more God can use. You may consider your offering to the Lord meager. But if it's what the Lord requires. If it's what the Lord asks for. Give it to him fully in faith. And he will supply everything else. He'll supply the rest. I've known people. Speaking of time. I've known people who've come to faith in Jesus Christ In the late senior years of their lives. And every single one of them who truly committed their life to Jesus Christ, even though they were in their 80s, every single one of them confessed to me that their short time serving the Lord was more joyful and meaningful and exciting than the years they spent without Him. They didn't have much time left, but what time they had, they gave to the Lord. And they saw how God can bless them with things that they had never experienced in the many years that they lived without Him. I've known people who were stricken with diseases, cancer, emphysema, and other diseases, and physical issues. Restricted limitations in their physical bodies. Who dedicated to the Lord what time they had in this life. And God used them to reach others for Jesus Christ. I remember in college, a young guy that was always smiling, always happy. Never had a a down day in the time that I knew him. And he was in a wheelchair the entire time he was at college. He was a member of the Ministerial Association, and he was on a ministry team as the preacher of that team. There were teams of four that would go out uh, from the Ministerial Association, and they would go to various churches. And one would preach, one would uh, lead the singing, one would play the music, and one would engage in activities. And Jerry was always just bubbling over as he was going out to churches and preaching and coming back and sharing all that God had, had done in the ministries that he was involved with. But Jerry didn't have any arms or legs, he was born with a birth defect no arms, no legs. And wherever he went, someone had to push him around in the wheelchair. But he was excited about the Lord. And those who went with him were excited at what God was doing through Jerry. We have a man in our own church. You know Charlie Johnson. Talked to him on the phone the other day. Charlie was upbeat. You know he's in a facility is very weak hasn't been out of bed in weeks his heart is too weak he can't stand he cannot walk chances are he'll never return home but he'll die in the facility where he's at and I asked him I said Charlie what's going on tell me is everything okay and he said pastor he said everything is fine he said, everybody that comes into my room, whether it's a doctor, whether it's a nurse or a technician, I tell them about Jesus. I talk to them about the Lord. People from the outside can't come in and visit. He said, but there are a lot of people in this place who come in to see me. And he said, I tell them about it. And then his voice picked up. He became perky. He got excited. He said, look, he, said he told me, he said, Pastor, I don't have any better sense than to tell people about Jesus. And here he is, flat on his back, people taking care of him. Chances are he'll not survive, and yet he's excited about Jesus. And he tells other people about Jesus. We are only limited, and we only limit God when we do not give him our full faith and trust. I've known people right here in this church who could barely get by financially. We're not a big church. Even when the house is full, we're not a big church. We're considered a small church. We're not even, we don't even qualify to be a medium-sized church. But there are people in this church who can barely get by financially, but they give of their resources to support missions and evangelism, And on the ongoing work of this church in this place. And yet God continues to provide for their needs according to his riches in glory in Jesus Christ. We have built three churches in the Ukraine. This small church has built three different churches in the Ukraine. We've gone and ministered in supporting and building churches down in Guatemala. We've had mission teams go down into Guatemala. We've had mission teams that, uh, that had con- a construction uh, group in it, and a medical group in it, and an activities group in it. And they went down to Guatemala year after year after year, and the things that they were able to do in those schools, the things that they were able to do in those communities, the things that they were able to do in building those churches, this small church provided the support. And yet God continues to bless this small church for what it is able to do to believe and trust God with. And listen, I'm not talking about prosperity gospel. I'm not talking about getting rich by demonstrating faith in god that that's a bane to the kingdom of god i'm not saying that you should give a hundred dollars to the lord so he can bless it and give you a thousand dollars in return and i'm not saying that you should give two years of service to the lord so he can bless it and give you 20 years added on to your life that's a lie right out of the pit of hell The only ones I know of who get rich from the prosperity gospel are those who manipulate God's people by twisting God's word. They get a payday here and now, but they'll have a painful day coming in the hereafter. Faith is not a motive to get rich or to live longer. Faith is not a means of twisting God's arm to bless you. Faith is obedience to what God has called you to do. By faith, God is honored in a person's life, in a person's work, in a person's family, in a person's ministry, in a person's business, in a person's education. By faith, our life becomes pleasing to Him. By faith, we are blessed, others are blessed, and the kingdom of God is blessed. And you can't put a dollar value on any of that. Lesson five and there are other lessons that i could draw out of that but you've had enough lesson five faith listen faith is not risky faith is not risky but unbelief is faith is not risky but unbelief is look at verse seven she came and she told the man of god and he said Go sell the oil and pay your debt and you and your sons can live on the rest. The preacher just said, what is it that you can give to God that God can bless it and help you? She gave the only thing she had and God blessed it and God saved her family and God saved her life. What would have happened to Moses, and to the children of Israel, if at the burning bush when God called Moses to go down into Egypt, and Moses then presented all of his arguments as to why he couldn't do it, why he couldn't go, how weak he was, how uh, imperfect his speech was, so on and so forth, and God commissioned him and God commanded him to go, and Moses just turned around and walked away and went back to his sheep. What would have happened to Moses? And what would have happened to the children of Israel? What would have happened to the young boy and to 5,000 plus if the young boy refused to give Jesus his lunch? What would have happened to the widow at Zarephath? If when Elijah came into her yard and asked her to feed him first, she refused to do it. What would have happened to her and her starving son. What would have happened to this widow woman and her two sons if when the preacher said give your oil to the Lord and she said it's all I've got I don't care what you say I'm keeping it and I'll try to find some other means of getting myself out of this situation. What would have happened To them, and what would have happened to the people associated with them? Faith is not risky, but unbelief is. When God speaks, faith must answer. To not trust in the word of the Lord is to risk losing what you have. It's to fall victim to the crisis that you face. It's to cause your life to falter and even to fail. What did the apostle say faith is in Hebrews 11.1? It is the confidence that we have in what God has promised or assured us of. And it brings into our lives those things that he desires for us to have that lie beyond us. That we can't bring into our lives ourselves. The lack of faith provides none of these things. So, Moses, what do you have in your hand that I can use? Widow of Zarephath... What do you have in your pantry that I can use? Little boy, what do you have in your lunch that I can use? And poor widow facing the slavery of your sons, what do you have in your house that I can use? Dear friend, what do you have? What do you have that God can use to answer your crisis, your situation, your problem, your burden? What do you have that God can use to bless your life and to bless others through you and to bless the ongoing work of his kingdom? What do you have? Stand with me. Father, we thank you that you are not bound by time, resources, power, anything that we manufacture to limit you. You're not bound by any of those things. You are the sovereign Lord. You can do all things. But Lord, we restrict your work in us and through us because of our lack of faith. Because, to put it bluntly, we just don't trust you. We don't trust you with our time, we don't trust you with our resources, we don't trust you with our influence, we don't trust you with our families. We don't trust you with our marriages. We don't trust you with our past to forgive us. We don't trust you with our present to intervene. We don't trust you with our future to lead us. And Father, we're the poorer because of it. And for many of us, Lord God, we, we restrict you because we tell you we don't have anything that we can give you that you can bless. We don't have any time left that you can bless. We don't have any money left that you can bless. We don't have any material resources that you can bless. And so we remain poor in spirit. We remain poor in faith. We remain poor In our abilities to deal with life because we just don't trust you. And Father, I I pray that the example of this poor widow who is facing a, a major crisis and losing her children to slavery, use her as an example to remind us, Lord God, that even a small pot of oil can make all the difference. In the crisis that we're facing. A little bit of time. A little bit more of an effort. Maybe a little bit more out of the paycheck. I don't know. doesn't matter. But whatever it is you're calling us, Lord God, to give. May we give it with full faith. Knowing that you can take what we offer. You can bless it. You can multiply it. You can use it to relieve the burden, to expand the kingdom, to bring other people into the fold, to bless other people because of it. And may we leave this house this morning knowing that all I have to do is give to you what you stir in my heart to give, and and I'll just leave the rest to you. You'll make up the difference because that's your promise. Bless us as we go that we'll be a blessing to other people. Bless us as we go that in our lives we'll be a blessing to you. Give us joy. Give us peace. But give us confidence that as we walk we do not walk alone, that your Holy Spirit walks with us every step of the way until Jesus comes to receive us into his kingdom, I pray in his holy and blessed name and all of God's people said, amen amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved.